Welcome back, murder lovers. My name's Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. All right. Was that therapeutic for you? Because it is for us. <laughs> it's a little bit of normalcy in your world. Hopefully we're back to normal by the time this episode comes up, but I'm... I'm thinking not. Schools no. are still going to be closed in Oregon, so. Yeah. All right. For a while. I'm done talking about Corona for right now. Okay. Anyway. Um, Let's talk about murder. <laughs> well, <laughs> so funny you should say that because if you're worried about, you know, the implications of economic collapse and um, what this means for, like, hard times as far as our economy goes, nobody would know those struggles better than the person of interest in the case that I'm going over today, and that is former President Ronald Reagan. Oh. I know. Shit. We're you're getting a history lesson today. Because you're out of school. <laughs> I'm going to educate you. All right? History class is now in session. Sit down. Um, <laughs> I will uh, <laughs> I will give the disclosure. I'm not actually going to get political. I'm not cool. doing that. We're not diving into politics. I'm not going to go into a whole thing on gun control. That's not happening here. <laughs> I don't want to, so I'm not going to. And I know you guys, some of you all appreciate it out there that we steer clear of some of these topics. So this is not about politics, whether you're blue, whether you're red, anything like that. I don't care. All I'm here to tell you about is the attempted, attempted assassination of President Ronald Reagan. Nice. So that's what we're doing today. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. We're moving around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, sources on this were Wikipedia, Hala. Dude, not using Wikipedia. A couple Wikipedia pages. <laughs> um, but also the History Channel had some good information on there oh, as nice. well. Yeah. So that's where we're going. As some of you may know. Because I don't take for granted that every American knows when any president served their term. <laughs> um, Ronald Reagan began his term on January 20th of 1981 as the 40th president of the United States. Okay. Right. I would not have known that. Thank you. I only knew that because I just had a conversation about this last night. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then um, on March 30th of the same year, so just about two months later in Washington, D.C., President Reagan was walking to his limo after speaking at the Washington Hilton Hotel when a man by the name of John Hinckley Jr. approached and shot the president or attempted to shoot the president. Attempted to shoot. Yeah. We'll get more into that. Okay. So what the heck happened during this whole thing and why did this take place? Well, Hinckley at the time was 25 years old. Again, this is at the time of the incident. But by all accounts, he had a normal childhood growing up. Nothing oh. really to report up until he gets a little bit older. So he lived in Texas. His family moved to Colorado. But then after he graduated high school, he moved to Los Angeles, and he was hoping to become a songwriter. Wow. That didn't go well. That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> he wrote to his parents during this time for help. Financially, he was really struggling. But this was also the first time that that there was indication that something was up okay. because he referenced having this girlfriend during this time. And it's found out later that this girl never existed, that he oh, made her up. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Um, Why are you lying to your parents about having a girlfriend? Like who well, are you trying to impress? His parents. I mean, <laughs> 
I totally get it if you're being constantly hounded about it because family does sure, that. Sure, but... but. Um, so he makes up this girl, but ultimately he has to move back to Colorado with his family because he's just not able to make ends meet in Los Angeles anymore. Yeah. It's during the 70s and 80s that he kind of develops this infatuation with weapons. He starts to buy them pretty frequently, different types of weapons, learning how to use them, and takes a real interest in firearms in general. Okay. And it doesn't really elaborate on all what type of weapons, but it seems firearms were of a particular interest to him. Okay. No, I, I mean, I kind of get that. Guns yeah. can be fascinating. Some people use it as a hobby. I mean, I know several people in yeah. my life that have quite an interest in firearms. But That's obviously that. some people take it further than others. Yes. Okay. It's also during this time that he is prescribed antidepressants and tranquilizers for emotional issues. Whoa. So things start to escalate here. Yeah. So between the weapon infatuation, but also the mental health issues, not an ideal situation. In 1976, the movie Taxi Driver came out um, and he developed an obsession with this movie Taxi Driver. Huh. Robert De Niro stars in it and he plays a character that is plotting to assassinate a presidential candidate. Oh. I've never seen it. I haven't either, but... Hinckley develops an interest in it because Jodie Foster is in the film and she is playing a 12-year-old victim of sex trafficking. Okay. So she, in real life, is about 13 or 14 years old, but in the film she plays a 12-year-old. He becomes so obsessed with Jodie that he actually moves to Connecticut and stalks her while she's attending Yale University after the film comes out. And he leaves messages under her door and begins calling her frequently. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that's a... Big move. I know. Just very far across the country. He begins to try and think of different ways to get her attention when his efforts go unnoticed. And these plans include things like a hijacking or trying to commit suicide. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. What? He, he tried, what? Mm -hmm. You lost me there. I mean. Maybe. Did I just hear that right? Yeah. He tried to. Not that he tried to, but he was thinking of different plans. Right. And his plans included... An attempted hijacking. hijacking or offing himself. Wow. Yeah. Seems a little dramatic. To get her attention. Yeah. I mean, if you commit suicide, then does it matter if you get her attention? And how would you know? I'm, uh -huh. Okay. So he decides that none of these is just going to be good enough for him. So he obviously has to assassinate the president. No, that's how he got to that? Yeah. He decides that he's going to assassinate the president because his logic and reasoning, if you were wondering how ill this person is, is that he believes that this is a way for him to become famous. And if he becomes famous, then he will be wow. on par with Jodie Foster's celebrity. And he feels like that will make him her equal. So not only will he become noticed by her, but because he will be famous, then they're on even playing fields. Not the same, but in his head it was. Sure. Right. No. <laughs> no. So you all might be saying, but President Reagan wasn't in office during this time. And you would be correct. So oh. he starts following around President Jimmy Carter. Ah. He is following and stalking Jimmy Carter when he is arrested in Nashville. Um bearing firearms. Okay. And what is believed to be an attempt to assassinate Jimmy Carter. Oh, really? Yeah. At least that's what they believe is the intention. Okay. But nothing really comes of it. There's no plan to really stick on him and he doesn't actually do anything with the firearms. So 
He's just carrying them around and yeah. stalking the president. Looking very suspicious at yeah. this point. After that whole incident, he is broke again, so he moves back home again. Okay. And it's at this point that 1981 is rolling around, and he sets his sights on the newly elected President Reagan. He, at this point, writes the following note to Jodie Foster, and it says, quote, Over the past seven months, I've sent you dozens of poems, letters, and love messages in the faint hope that you could develop an interest in me. Although we talked on the phone a couple times, I never had the nerve to simply approach you and introduce myself. The reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. The fuck? She actually got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. This this reminds me so much of that song Stan by Eminem. <laughs> Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. M, I wrote you. Like yeah. that whole thing. It's totally... It's Stan. Okay. Pre-Stan. Yeah. Maybe that's where he got Stan from. Although I think that was actually like a real interaction that he had with a fan. Maybe. I'm almost positive it was. That's Hey, Eminem, if you're listening, will you let me know? (laughs) Can you DM me and tell me? Why you're at it? Throw some pictures in there. (laughs) Can you just DM me, period? Also, Music Be Murdered By is amazing. Oh my God, it's such a good album. So fast forward, and now we're back up to March 30th. Reagan is leaving the hotel after speaking at a conference. He's not wearing a bulletproof vest because the venue is considered a secure venue. It also includes a passageway that was built following the assassination of JFK. Huh. Interesting, right? Really interesting. Some foreshadowing there. Do presidents normally wear bulletproof Uh, vests? I think it depends on the venue and everything like that. I'm not sure what the requirements are, but in this case, they said it because the event was pre-screened, everybody that was attending the event was screened, and he had a secure way of getting in and out. In and out. He was not wearing a bulletproof vest. The problem that is introduced here is that everyone had been screened except for a very small group of people that were standing approximately 15 feet away from the president outside of the hotel room as he exited the passageway Mm. and was getting into the limo. Okay. So just bystanders, gawkers, people just wanted to exactly kind of press situation. And in this group was Hinkley. As the president walked by him, he thought that this was his opportunity. He pulls out a twenty-two caliber revolver and shoots six times. Oh. I, whoa. Yeah. Okay. So the White House press secretary, James Brady, was actually shot in the head above his left eye. A police officer named Thomas Delante was shot in the back of the neck, and that ricocheted Ouch. off his spinal cord. <gasps> no. As all of this was happening, the president was actually pushed into the car and Secret Service agent Timothy McCarthy used his body as a human shield and was shot in the chest. Oh. But as Reagan was being pushed into the limo, a bullet ricocheted off the side of it and hit him in the side. Reagan? Yeah. Oh. So he actually was hit by a bullet. He was hit. Not directly, but the ricochet? Exactly. The ricochet hit him. So while he was never shot directly, he did suffer... An injury. A gunshot wound. Sure. sure. Alfred Antonucci, who was an Ohio labor official, hit Hinckley in the head and took him down to the ground when nice. he saw that he was, like, shooting and everything like right. that. 
And basically, they all, like, kind of dogpiled him for a couple reasons. Um, one of them actually being to protect him and prevent him from being shot by anybody else. Kind of okay. like Lee Harvey Oswald situation. Yeah. But one of them got a little ahead of himself and started punching him in the head and everything like that, which, like, I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah they're trying to <laughs> yeah. calm the fuck down. First instinct was to take Reagan back to the White House, but once they realized that he was having trouble breathing, they actually detoured and went to George Washington Hospital, and they actually arrived there within four minutes of leaving the hotel. So we got ourselves a good driver. Um, (laughs) There were no stretchers available, so Reagan actually walked into the hospital coughing up blood before he collapsed on the ground. Wow. Um, It was found that he had a partially collapsed lung as a result of the injury, and the bullet actually stopped millimeters short of his heart. (gasps) So it could have very easily... Mm -hmm. And on top of that, these were bullets that exploded. Oh. So while the one that went into President Reagan didn't detonate, others of them did. And it could have exploded inside the body cavity of the president and killed him. But for whatever reason, it didn't. They didn't know this until later on. Until they pulled it out? Because later on, once they figured it out, there were other surgeries that still had to be completed on the guys that had been injured along the way. And Uh the surgeons had to complete it in bulletproof vests because they were afraid of detonation from the bullets that hadn't exploded yet. Oh, my God. That's some Grey's Anatomy shit. I know. It's just just like that. I just saw that episode. Me too. Because we're all starting it over again. Yep. Because we are mad about Alex and Izzy. (laughs) But that's crazy, though. Yeah. But as far as Reagan goes, they didn't know that yet. And when when Nancy arrived into the hospital, his wife, for those of us who aren't up on our history, Nancy Reagan. (laughs) Nancy Reagan. The first lady. um, When she arrived at the hospital, President Reagan said to her, honey, I forgot to duck. They said that he actually had a a really sweet sense of humor throughout the whole thing. At one point, he got into the room for surgery, and he laughed looking around the room, and he said, I hope you're all Republicans. <laughs> and the lead surgeon at the time was a Democrat, and he said, "He said, Mr. President, we're all Republicans today. Oh, my God, chill. I know. That would never happen now. But no. I love the fact that, like politics aside we're all in this together you are going to be fine right. we are going to take care of you can you imagine being that surgeon no Having because the president's hand like heart they said hands? that when so his physician because they have their own private physicians right. came with him to the hospital thought that it was possible that he had a heart attack he felt like it was best if he were treated like any other patient rather than the physician taking in his preconceived ideas of what was going on so he turned over the care to the staff of the hospital, and that meant the surgeons on like, staff do what you gotta performed. do right now. Yeah, and they said that they didn't even realize who they were gonna be operating on until they asked for the address, and they gave the Pennsylvania address, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh shit, we have the president." Um, but yeah, his physician excused himself because he thought it would be in the best interest of the president sure. to go get the, the care he needed yeah, without him possibly misdiagnosing like him or misdiagnosing him. Yeah. yeah, and he also needed the whole trauma workup and everything like that. So, sure. like, let this go about it the way it needs to happen. But I thought that interaction in the room sure. was really cute. That is really cute. Yeah. He was released on the hospital from the hospital on April 11th, and he returned to the Oval Office on April 25th to a standing ovation. In the meantime, 
Thomas Delante suffered permanent nerve damage on his left arm. He was forced to retire from the police department as a result of his injury. Was this the spinal, the one that ricocheted off his spine? This was the guy that ricocheted off the spinal cord, yes. Holy moly. Um, He's really lucky that he wasn't paralyzed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but it did end up resulting in him actually needing to end his work. I mean, the lesser of two evils there. I mean, if you're going to take something, is okay. Right. Retire, but you're so- alive. And then Timothy McCarthy, who was the guy that was shot in the chest however many times, he actually fully recovered. What? Yeah. by some. He was the one that used his body as a human shield to protect the president as he was getting in the right. limo. They said that he stood, like, spread wow. to protect him. That's, that's commitment. I want a bodyguard like that. I know. <laughs> but unfortunately, the press secretary, James Brady, was left with slurred speech and partial paralysis and required the full-time oh, use of no. a wheelchair. President Reagan... Regardless of how you feel about him. I don't care right now. Sure. He kept him in title as a press secretary throughout his presidency. Aww. Even though he couldn't serve sure. to, the, to the capacity of the position, he kept him on his staff in title, which I thought was... I, I huge. love that. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll go back over to Hinckley at this point. His trial was in 1982. He was brought up on 13 charges, but he was found not guilty based on the insanity. Among his pre-existing mental issues that we talked about, psychiatrists found him to suffer from erotomania, which is an uncommon form of paranoid delusion. It's when a person believes that another individual is in love with them and develops an infatuation despite there being evidence that that's not actually the case. They can't see what's in front of them. Narcissism, schizoid, personality disorder, depression, and borderline and passive-aggressive features. Yeah, this guy had a lot of... A lot of issues. A lot of issues. He was transferred to psychiatric care on August 18th, 1981. And he wrote that the shooting was, quote, the greatest love offering in the history of the world. Wow. Yeah. Jody was very flattered, I'm sure. But he was disappointed that... Jodie Foster didn't reciprocate his love. I'm sure he was. Yeah, she was like, why doesn't she love me? I don't understand. (laughs) such a mystery. Now, obviously, people were very unhappy with this verdict. Because of the shooting, Ronald Reagan's approval ratings subsequently rose very... Of course. They were like at 70-something percent. It was like 73, 78, something like that. Everybody loved him. So when it came back not guilty by reason of insanity, people were... People were very unhappy about this. This actually resulted in many states revising the laws surrounding the insanity defense. Some states eliminated the ability to use it altogether. Wow. Because of this? Yes. Because of this. Um, But others removed things like um, burden of proof and like how the psychiatrists are involved and stuff like that. There's several different things. But basically they revived the laws around it and the ability for people to use it. That is really interesting. Yeah. It's at least interesting to know where the changes or changes mm-hmm. started happening. Well, and they say that, like, of the insanity defense, I think it's, like, 2% actually end up... Validating it? Yeah. Or proving that it is. Right, and then actually being effective. That could be entirely wrong. Well, I believe it's 2% or something, but... This one, I mean, there's evidence that he was, yes, planning it, yeah. but delusionally thinking... He was going to get something out of it. Well, and I think the changes are more so based on the not guilty part. Right. No, I I get that. But, um, like, 
yeah, so there's evidence of that, but you should still be held responsible. And so maybe you're guilty by reason of mental defect or mental illness, not not guilty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's another conversation another day. Yep. When he was transferred over to the psychiatric facility, they actually found that he was considered unpredictably dangerous, not only to himself, but to other patients. Oh, I bet. His obsession continued really? with Jodie Foster. And when they searched his room, they found letters that he had exchanged with none other than Ted Bundy. Stop And it. Exchange? So back exchanged. and forth? Exchange. Okay. With, and if you don't know who Ted Bundy is, you shouldn't be here. But... <laughs> <laughs> So he exchanged letters with Ted Bundy, but they also found evidence that he was trying to get letters to Charles Manson as well. Huh. That he was reaching out for mailing address and Birds trying to get... Birds of a feather. Yeah. What, guidance? Find a mentor? He... So the fatu infatuation with Charles Manson was that he had orchestrated others to carry out these plans. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd pay so much money to see the letters between him and Bundy. And Charles Manson had a lot of um, political undertones and all of his yeah. motives and everything like that. So I think that there was some. We should cover him soon. Them. That's interesting that that's who he was seeking. Yeah. To chat it up with. So by 1999, it was found that he was responding relatively well to treatment and he was allowed to leave the hospital for supervised visits with his parents. By 2004, he was allowed unsupervised visits, which extended in length over the years. So it went from being just like a day to like days and weeks and months at the time. Okay. Greyhound beheading. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to the Greyhound disaster. It's a couple episodes back. Anyway. Meanwhile, as he's gaining his freedom back, he continues to kind of gain these unsupervised visits for extended periods of time starting in 2004. They, like I said, they lengthen out over time. But during this time, while he is still being treated, um, on August 4th, 2014, James Brady actually died. So this is 33 years later. James Brady is in his 70s. But the death is a result of a complication stemming directly from being shot. So okay. his death is actually ruled a homici homicide, even though it happens... Over 30 oh, years later. That's really interesting. Right. But he is not brought up on charges. Okay. Because. Double jeopardy? Because he'd previously been found. No, because he'd never been tried for murder. Oh. This is a new charge. But. Okay. He is not brought up on charges because of the insanity conviction, but also because of statute of limitations. Oh. There's a law at the time that something like a year and a day thing or something like that. So he can't be for brought attempted up. murder. I don't remember what murder. it something like that. A year. I don't think it's. I don't remember what it was, but basically the statute, statute of, came right. Yeah. yeah, and he was not able to be brought up on charges of it. So on September 10, twenty sixteen, just two years after James Brady passed away, Hinckley is released to live with his mother. This um, is too close to comfort. I know. And he's ordered to have no contact with the victim's families, no contact Oof. with Jodie Foster, obviously, no firearms, no porn, no alcohol, and all these other restrictions that go into place. Okay. On November 18th of 2018, so two years later, Hinckley is allowed to move out of his mom's house and live independently. Oh, jeez. 
And to this day, he is now walking around a free man. You're fucking joking. No. Where is he again? This happened in Washington, D.C. He was serving time in Washington, D.C. He moved back to live with his mom. But he didn't change his name, right? No. Okay. John I'll I'll post pictures of what he looks like now. So you Um, could be aware. uh, There are current paparazzi photos of him and stuff like that. that. I will I will post those. Like I said, so he's walking around a free man to this day, which is, I think, maybe the only... I'm not familiar of other cases where somebody makes an attempted assassination or fires a gun at a president and doesn't end up with life. Absolutely. So that's kind of surprising to me. Jodie Foster has only commented on the event three times. Oh, really? And that was right after everything happened. Since then, she has refused to talk about the situation any further. She'll actually end interviews and walk out of interviews if it's brought up, and she'll refuse to do them if she knows that it's going to be a question that's asked of her. Oh, wow. She will not even acknowledge it anymore. I... Which I don't blame her. I don't blame I'm her. I'm like, listen, I'm trying to build my own legacy. Right. I don't, don't want to be associated with that. Legacy. Um, so good for her, because I didn't know this. Yeah. But that is the attempted assassination of former president Ronald Reagan. Thank you for coming to my history 101 class. Thank you for um, the history lesson. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, just trying to give you guys something to ease the days before we get back into school. Which is probably never. Never. Just We're kidding. never going back to school. <laughs> ever. Also, for those of you who don't know and some of you who do, George H.W. Bush was serving as vice president during this time. So, oh, as you guys George should w. know, George H.W. became president later on. Um, but this was kind of like his first introduction into that position. Because obviously, while President Reagan was undergoing surgery and recovering... H.W. Bush was acting president during that time and kind of took things over for his recovery and appearances and things like that. So obviously he went on later on to win his own election and become the 41st president of the United States. Um, Look at you getting all all these details, all these facts. The more you know. Don't ask me about math, though. (laughs) So, yeah. At least you know 41 was after 40, so we're good. Well, you couldn't remember if he won the election directly after Ronald Reagan it... or if there was somebody else in between, but I don't think there was. It must have been because... Because it was... I think Bush Reagan, was president when I was born. Bush won. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. Obama. Trump. Look at you. You can name at least huh. the last six. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then I think Nixon was before Jimmy Carter, wasn't he? Girl... I don't okay. know that. Hold on. I can name Alabama. the people on Grace and Adam. <laughs> okay. No, shit. Okay. Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George H.W., Bill Clinton, George W., Barack, George W., and then Barack. The Donald. And then coronavirus. That's our new president. Coronavirus is, <laughs> coronavirus is taking over it's all It's actually things. dictating everything we do, so. It really is. I mean. Ruler of the free world. <laughs> And that is our attempt to discuss something that could be politically charged without being politically charged. And we did it. Yay. So hopefully we kept that pretty neutral for you guys. There's lots of photos from this 
and we will split them up. Like we have said, if you want the things that are a little bit more um, disturbing and uh, not safe for public things like Instagram. Not suitable for work. NSFW. But we're not at work, so. (laughs) Not suitable for work from home. That's what it is. Um, I really suggest that you guys go over to the Facebook group, Stranger Danger colon Murder Lovers. That is where we will have links to stuff, but also some of the photos that you're not going to see on our other platforms. Follow us on our other platforms or email us. If you have anything else that you would like to hear during this hopefully soon ending lockdown, if it hasn't ended already by the time this posted, which it won't, at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at a stranger danger podcast. And the normal Facebook page where you'll see what you see on Instagram. Yep. Is Stranger Danger colon a true crime podcast. And Twitter is SD True Crime Pod. Thank you so much, you guys. Stay safe. Elbow bumps for everybody. Elbow bumps. No handshakes. You're just bumping elbows. That's all you're doing. Better than bumping uglies. Don't get anybody pregnant. Hope you haven't ran out of toilet paper yet. Okay, bye. Bye.